chose to carry We have a new one for you today. It seems like I'm always bringing you new ones. I hope, you, I hope that's okay with you. Uh, this one's a, just a great proclamation of how great God is and uh, what he's done in our lives. So I think you'll be able to figure it out. It's, uh, it's kind of fun. So uh, let's see how it goes. It's kind of country. I hope you, that's okay with you. Are you past the point and weary? But let me try that again. That's a bad start for a new song, isn't it? Oh my gosh. All right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's not like it's recorded or anything. <laughs> Are you past the point and weary? Are your burdens weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about Jesus. Do you feel the empty feeling? Cause the shame's learn all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. 
let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong, his grace is free. The good news is that I know he can do for you like he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Who could wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years and tell the past to disappear? Let me tell you about my Jesus and all the wrong turns that you would go and undo if you could who would work it out for all your good let me tell you about my Jesus he makes a way where there ain't no way rises up from an empty grave ain't no sinner that he can't save let me tell you about my Jesus his love is strong and his grace is free and the good news is that I know he can do for you like he's done for me let me tell you about my Jesus let my Jesus change your life hallelujah 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 amen who would take my cross to Calvary pay that price for all my guilty who could care that much for me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He wakes away where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is that I know he can do for you like he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. One more time. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Let my Jesus change your life. Hello, good morning. Good morning, Genesis. We want to welcome you this morning in person and Zoom and Facebook friends. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm Bethany, and I have some announcements. So if you would let us know that you're here, you can do it online. We have our connection online, and we also have our physical green cards that you can place in the box at the back of the sanctuary. You may have gotten a text, and you can follow the link for that. 
and the box in the back of the sanctuary is where you can place your offering if you've brought one this morning. And we just want to thank everyone who faithfully gives in person and online. Thank you for what you do. Mark your calendars, the end of the month. We have Camp Lael Family Camping on May 27th through May 30th. You can come the whole weekend. You can come part of the weekend, whatever you want to do. We have a potluck on May 28th, and we would love for you to join us. Uh, you're going to want to bring a dish to pass and your own table setting, meat for the grill, and your own beverage. And if you have any questions, you can ask Vicki Brown. And uh, I'm going release you for a short connection today. So go ahead, say hi to your neighbors, and then we will move on to the next part. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning. We have got something special for you guys this morning. So we have, is it going in and out? Test, test, one, two. Okay, I'm Nikki, Family Ministry Director. Um, for those of you who don't know me, but we have compassion partners here at Genesis that we partner with and that we support. Um, and it's been a bit since Amanda and Nunu have been here um, to tell us what's going on. And for those of you who have been here a while, you may recall the widow's might. That's these guys. But there has been a re- a name change, so on and so forth. And so Amanda is going to give us an update 
with some slides on what is up with their ministry, who they are, what they do, um, what they're looking to do, and how we're going to be able to help them, okay? Um, so I'll hand it over to Amanda. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us here this morning. It has been a while um, with COVID. We really haven't been able to get out a whole lot. And um, so we're really happy to be back in churches just talking about what we do. So the name change really quick. So if you followed us, you know we work a lot with kids. And so the name just kind of wasn't working that well. And when we went to legalize our ministry in Mozambique, it didn't translate well. We've had a couple people donate to another ministry here in America, things like that. And so we just decided it was time to make the two the same name. So Kihavo is um, a response to a local greeting. So if you're in our village and you walk past someone, you're going to say Mojavo, and they're going to respond Kihavo. So it's like, how are you? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm great. So our village loves that that's our name. They love that it's in their like local language. They love that they all know how to say it. And so they all get big smiles on their faces whenever we talk about the name of the ministry. You can go next. Um, okay, so um, for those of you who have followed us for a while, we you may have heard me talk about bottle buildings. So after we had some cyclones in our area, we built or we committed to building two homes for two different families whose homes were affected by the cyclones. And so this is the first one. You can go through it. And um, one of the conditions to building it was that two of our ladies had to help um, with the construction and they had to be paid the same as the men and everything like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, but you can see. So because of COVID, we had to like stop this really quickly. So I think the outside is smooth, right? I just don't think we have a picture of it. So when I go back, we're going to check out this building, see what it's like, see if there's any little tweaks we have to do at the end. And then we're also hoping to do one more building. Um, we do still need some funds for that building. So if you can uh, keep that in mind, pray for that. Um, also, we ran out of bottles because the our bottle source got... Um, a high-tech water filtration system. So it's going to be part block, part bottle, and we kind of have to figure out what's worked really well with this and decide if we're going to do interior bottle wall or exterior bottle wall. So we're going to check that out when we get to Mozambique. You can go next. Um, you guys might not even know this, but Genesis actually helped build these bathrooms. Um, the, we put in a request through the Compassion Partners. That's kind of how it works here. And um, you guys helped with these bathrooms. So these are great. These are Before this, our kids and our staff were using a latrine. So um, this gives our staff, our guards, a place to shower. Um, we have two bathrooms and a storage closet. So it's been really great, and everybody loves it. And an outdoor sink, which we were planning on even before COVID, just because we like to have the kids wash their hands before we come to class. You can go next. Um, so because of COVID, we actually did have to shut down the women's ministry. Um, and then we haven't brought it back yet because the kids are in such great need right now. And so we've decided that until Nunu and I come back full time to Mozambique, we're going to um, just keep it on paused, I guess. It's not canceled, but it's just paused. So for right now, though, the lovely Nema continues to sew. So any of the items that I bring, there's a good chance she made them. She also does all of our kids' uniforms and things like that. But we actually hired Nema to teach the next group of women how to sew. And then COVID shut everything down. So you can go next. Okay, so I think these are a little out of order, but that's okay. Um, so this is these are our prayer requests for those of um, which might make a little more sense at the end, but that's okay. Um, so things you can be praying for, of course, our staff and our children. Um, 
like I said, it's a very hectic time in Mozambique with education right now, so just keeping our staff motivated and excited and in, engaged with the kids, it's a lot. Um, a lot for the kids. It means a lot to them, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, also for our time in Mozambique, we're hoping to hire someone new. We're hoping to build that bottle building and then possibly some other offices. Um, and then I'm not, we're not really sure what kind of maintenance issues. Oh, am I there? Okay. What kind of maintenance issues we might be having? Um, because our staff is notorious for just being like, oh, it's fine. We didn't need the air conditioning. We just opened the door. But, you know, having the air conditioning keeps the classrooms cleaner. It makes things more comfortable. So we're curious to see what they haven't felt the need to complain to us about when we get back. Because I have a feeling there's going to be a couple things like that, which is like, you love them for that, but also, you know. Okay, so finances to complete all our, ta our tasks, and then I think there will be slides that explain this attack in the north, so I'll get to that in a second. You can go next. Okay, so other ways you can help is by donating. Um, we also, you can also sponsor a child or a family. Um, to sponsor a child is $30 a month. To sponsor a family is $25 a month. Um, and again, the, something's a little bit off in my order. And you can also um, shop on our Etsy page. I've got cards out here that will have the Etsy site on it as well. And then I have some samples of some things that we do have on Etsy. You can go next. Let's see if we have these about. Okay, so we have been in the States for a while, partially because of COVID. Um, I was pregnant in March of 2020, and so as soon as borders started shutting, I just needed to leave Mozambique right away to ensure that I could give birth in America. Um, and Nunu followed as soon as he could, but we started the immigration process for him, and so he actually got stuck in Mozambique because he could not get into America because he started his green card process. And South Africa shut down, he couldn't go interview. So he was about nine months behind Tegan and I's arrival. And um, so also while we've been in the States, Nunu is studying um, the, the New Testament at Northern Seminary in Lyle, Illinois, um, which is a big task when English is your third language. So he um, spends a lot of time reading. Um, seminary is very much like a full-time job. So it's kind of been nice that he has been so busy while we've been in America instead of being here bored or, you know, not sure what to do with himself. You can go next. Let's see if we're going to get to this slide about the North. And if we don't, I'll just explain it. Okay, so we do continue to tutor. <laughs> um, uh, that grows, goes all the time. We're tutoring, I think, about 55 kids right now. You can go next. It's okay. Not a big deal. Some of these will go through quickly, so that's why I don't. Is that it? No. That was the well, last I can start time. telling you about the North. So if, about a year ago, you probably heard of Mozambique in the news, which never happens. And I just want to tell you that if you hear about no Mozambique in the news, it's like really bad. It's not the start of the bad. It's like it's so bad that finally the world is talking about it. So since 2017, there have been um, a lot of attacks in the north of Mozambique. Um, it's done by um, an Islamic insurgent group that really wants Sharia law. And so basically, if you're not with them, you're against them. And so they've been doing a lot of burning villages, beheading people, things like that. Muslims, Christians, non-religious people alike, they don't care. If you don't want what they want, you're against them. Um, and so a year ago, there was a huge attack in a, in a bigger city called Palma. And that's why we finally heard about it in the world. And so um, a year ago, there was actually kind of a mass exodus 
rumors that Pemba was next on the list to be attacked. Those rumors have kind of calmed down. And these aren't just like word of mouth rumors. These are like military, like official rumors. It's not like from the government and things like that. So kind of calmed down a little bit. We've had um, the military from Rwanda, South Africa, and another African nation come in, and they've been working alongside the Mozambican military to try to combat this effort, and they have taken out quite a few leaders, um, but the attacks do continue to happen, not nearly as often as we were hearing before, um, and the closest they've ever come to our home is about an hour, but because of this, Pem okay, so 800,000 people have fled the north, so those are, they're considered in internally displaced people. I always want to say internationally. Internally displaced people. So they're like refugees in their own country. Well, it's estimated that 80,000 of them have relocated to Pemba, and so that means quite a few of them in our village. And so this is why our schools are overrun right now, because between COVID rules and then all these new people, some of our kids last year went to school one day a week for three hours. They come to our tutoring program for five hours every week. So they were coming to tutoring more than they were going to school, which is another reason why we felt the need to just like put the women's ministry on hold and really just try to focus on our kids because this is gonna be a whole generation that if they didn't know how to read and write before, like they're not gonna know how to do any of this stuff. And it's, so like I said, we're just trying to put all our efforts into tutoring and educating the kids. And we also, we never set out to be a handout ministry that it kind of goes against everything we believe in. We're definitely a feed them how to fish, let them fish for themselves. But there were people in our village who were all but starving to death. And so we felt we had to act. And so right when this was happening, we were feeding 18 families. Um, and a year later, we asked our staff to reevaluate and see who had gotten jobs and who had like a form of income and, um, you know, tell them they only have two months left and then we're, you know, we need to move on. And so we still have eight, seven or eight families that we feed every month. Um, so we provide a food kit for them. They come pick it up at our property or our ministry property. It's beans, rice, oil, sugar, soap, laundry soap. Um, and then there might be like something different from time to time. But those kits cost us $25 a month per family. Um, and we have just been using, when we started this, we told our staff, whatever excess we have in the month, we can put towards this. If we don't have excess one month, we can't help these families because we can't make money appear from nowhere. So we have been pulling this money from like all of our excess, wherever we can, um, to feed these families. Um, we will continue to do so. And you know, the thing that's so horrible is they want to go home. They have land they can farm, they have all these things they can do at home, but they're stuck in our village. So anyways, that's what the family sponsorship So sorry that my thing is kind of awkward. But, um, so yeah, if you guys could keep praying for us, especially pray for our team in Mozambique, we're getting ready to go in about 10 days. We can only go for 10 weeks because of visa stuff, but um, we're really looking forward to it, seeing our staff and just getting back in Mozambique for a little bit. And then as soon as Nunu has his US citizenship, we will be back in Mozambique full time. So that's kind of the plan and that's why we're here so long. And I know it's confusing, but feel free to come out, say hi to us, ask us questions if I didn't touch on something. And again, just thanks so much for having us here. <clears throat> Amanda and Nunu have a table out there if you guys want to help or check out some of the stuff after service. So, good? All right. Yeah, good.
stand up. Want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. So, Heavenly Father, we just ask you to walk with Amanda and Nunu, with their kids and their family. In their ministry, we ask you to bless and continue to provide for the families, for the children, for the widows, for the community, Lord. We ask for your super, super shield of protection over their people, over their families, over the work that they do, Heavenly Father. We would ask that they're reminded that you go before them, that you hem them in, and that you have set the path. And obstacles will come, but you know. You know where they are going. And so help them in their faithfulness, in their tired, in their frustration, just to be reminded of the work that they do, Lord. You have called them. It is obvious that you have called them, Heavenly Father. So we continue to pray for all of the needs that they need in their com community, for their family, and that there would be ease as they step back in um, in Mozambique, Lord, and that they would know their next. Provide for them financially and continue to set their hearts on fire for the work that they do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Nunu. They're doing the work of Jesus, so step by their table. Give. I can think of nothing better than to be giving to feed families, to mentor kids, to love the less fortunate. Jesus said it himself. So may we do that. Today, as we start, I want to start with an ancient creed. And I want us to pray this together or recite this together. It's the Nicene Creed. These creeds were created in order to create unity, oneness in the church. We're going to be talking about things that sometimes can feel complicated because we're talking about what we view and what we know to be true about God. And that's a really big subject. But I want to remind it as we read through these creeds that we believe this. This is, this is who we are. And so would you stand with me? The words will be up there. This is the Nicene Creed. It was written the language of we. And so let's recite this together. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and all things visible and invisible. And in one God, one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, in the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. He was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. On the third day, he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. 
we affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. You can be seated. Now we read that, and today we're starting a new series called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. Uh, the book was uh, a book that inspired this was written by Brian Zand. Here's a copy of it that I have. I love it. I think it's a great, great book. And we're going to be digging into these themes over the next six weeks, maybe longer, depending on that. The book is called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, written by Brian Zand. If you want to read it, um, please, you can grab that. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah, the title is based off a famous sermon given in 1741 by an evangelist, by a teacher, by a, by a pastor, famously named uh, Jonathan Edwards. It was given in, in 1741, and the sermon is called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, one of the most famous sermons in America. It's probably the most well-known sermon. Many people have read this sermon as a part of their high school English class for the use of descriptive language. Has anyone here heard of Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God or read it? Jackie hasn't, but the majority have. If there, it's the most famous sermon, the, probably the only other sermon that is like on par as far as people being like, I know of this sermon, is the I Have a Dream sermon, potentially. Some of the sermons of Dr. Martin Luther King. But if one sermon has grabbed the imagination of Americans and in the West since this time, it's this one. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Now, Jonathan Edwards did not only write about these kinds of things. He had tons and tons and tons of sermons. But this one became the greatest hit. And it was given and 500 people um, repented and gave their lives to Jesus at the end of it. There was weeping and crying and shrieks in the midst of it. And here's some of the language. The God, and, and Jonathan is kind of saying, hey, um, if you're not in Christ, there is this wrath of God that is over you. And it will come and you will fall into it into an endless torment that is due to you. That's kind of the essence. Your foot is going to slip, and this is where you're going to go, outside of Christ. With descriptive language upon that, and here's one of his quotes. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, such as one who holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you and is dreadfully provoked. His wrath towards you burns like fire. He looks upon you as worthy of nothing else but to be cast into the fire. He is of purer eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. You were 10,000 times more uh, abominable in his eyes as the most hateful venomous serpent is in ours. This language is because of your sin that continues to get stored up for you over all of your lifetime. And, and this is just getting stored more and more and more and more and more for you. And eventually, those floodgates are going to open up and you're going to receive the just due of the wrath that you deserve. That's where you stand right now. Unless you do something about it. He goes on to write things like this. And I, and I might be saying it more animated than he was. I was told that it wasn't animated. Another quote from him, it would be dreadful to, and he's talking about hell here, this eternal torment. 
It would be dreadful to suffer this fierceness and wrath of Almighty God one moment. But you must suffer it to all eternity. There will be no end to this exquisite, horrible misery. When you look forward, you shall see a long forever, a boundless duration before you, which will swallow up your thoughts and amaze your soul. And you will be, and you will absolutely despair for ever having any deliverance, any end, any mitigation, any rest at all. You will know certainly that you must wear out long ages, millions of millions of ages, in wrestling and conflicting with his almighty merciless vengeance. And then when you have done so, when so many ages have accurately been spent by you in this manner, you will know that it is all but a point to what remains. Have you seen Monster Zeke? There's a line there that says, we scare because we care. And in some way, some have said, no, this is caring. This is caring that we would tell you of the internal torment that is being stored up for you. We scare because we care. Has anyone during Halloween time ever went to the hell houses that churches would set up and send you through in order to scare you? Anybody been to a hell house? Anybody, when you were a kid, and maybe in your church, a friend of mine told me that he went to church, they'd watch these videos of people being beheaded with guillotines and then thrown into eternal fires and said, this is what hell is like, and he watched that at like 10 years old. Anybody seen anything similar to this? Well, we, we, we scare because we care. Penn and Teller, one of the guys, just famously was like, oh, I, he has this idea. It's like, oh, if there is this eternal torment... This hellfire, this damnation, well, you better tell me about it. And most of us think, oh, yeah. But here's my question. Now, oh, sorry. This is effective. It's incredibly effective. But is it true? Is that who God is? Does he abhor you? Can he not look on you in your sin? Is it only spite and vengeance towards you unless Jesus is standing in between is his posture towards you wrath and anger and violence and retribution outside of Jesus that's how he looks at you is that who God is is this true so that's what we're asking we want to look at certain things that maybe we've grabbed a hold of and we want to wrestle not trying to put anything away that we might find uncomfortable Many things I find uncomfortable. But the question we want to continue to ask, is it true? It's what theology is. It's thinking about God accurately. Now Edwards, in this teaching, he described God, he describes, he, he describes God as provoked by wrath to our sin. Is that his primary disposition? Is it true? He describes eternal torment of hellfire. Is it true? Yes, 500 people repented, and this was a part of a teaching for the Great Awakening where people became more aware of God and effectiveness. But in the end, we're not saying is it effective, but is it true? This teaching has left a mark on the religious imagination of America. It's the most well-known one. We've seen similar things from Scared Straight 
to left behind, to hell houses. They get an effect, but are they true? And this is the part we want to look at. Not to say, if you believe that, you're wrong. But where does it come from? And so over the course of the next six weeks, we're going to look at this disposition of God, and from the title of this, we're saying, the overwhelming disposition of the Father is love towards us. And then with that, for many of us who read the Bible and have read every page of it, I have, right? Like, maybe you too, multiple times. Well, what about wrath? And, and what about the Old Testament? I mean, when, when Edward's talking about the floodwaters being stored up, I mean, many of us who know the Bible, we think about Noah and the floodwaters stored up, and all of a sudden they let, let in, you know, and everybody gets killed. What about, what about these stories? What about the cross? What about the story of saying that God poured out his wrath upon Jesus on the cross? I mean, isn't this God being violent against his own son in order to, to bring salvation for us? And, and what about hell? This reality of eternal torment, and unless you pray to sinner's prayer or have some sort of thing in there, unless you've claimed to Jesus... That as you breathe your last moment here and you step before the judgment seat of God without Jesus, you're going to endure an eternal torment. What about some of these ideas? And what about Revelation? So those are the places we're going to look and be curious. Not definitive that says, oh, here's the only way to view this. But we're saying, oh, how can we, can we view these things more accurately? Reading in Acts and they talked about different people who knew of Jesus, but it wasn't as accurate. Can we have a more accurate view of God than what we currently have? That is a gift of God where that comes. Have you ever experienced in your lifetime a change in your view of God? Here's the truth. God does not change. The God of the Old Testament and those writings, it's the same God who's today. That, that term is called immutable. God cannot change. It's one of the essences of the scriptures. God doesn't change. But has your view of God ever changed? Did you ever view God as like, well, if I do good and I store up enough good, then God will maybe do a good thing for me? I, I believed that. Or did you believe that, oh, well, God likes me more when I'm more morally kind of doing all the things that people told me I wasn't supposed to be doing? That God's love was better for me. And things, would, things would go better. Have your views of God at different times changed? And a lot of times some of our views of God just come from teachings and our own experience. I had a friend whose dad died. And he prayed to God and his dad still died. And his view of God changed. God didn't do it from that experience. Right? So experiences sometimes change our view. And sometimes we, we go through hardships and somebody says, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And all of a sudden we think, oh, that must be true. Until we get more than we can handle. Which is every one of us. And then all of a sudden it's God who's doing this. And you're like, no, my view of God has changed. That's not actually God. I don't, I don't believe, right? So God doesn't change. But our ideas 
of God can. We can begin to have a potentially more accurate view as the revelation of God is shown to us. Now, what we're talking about is not just, oh, if I feel this, then that's, how, that's where these ideas come from. I don't like these. These feel bad. These feel good. I'm going to accept the good. I'm going to push away the, the bad. It's like, no. Do you want to know who creates the problem with all the questions that we're going to ask and, and go through over the next six weeks? Do you know what, who's to blame for it all? Jesus. Jesus creates the problem. Because Jesus makes these statements The only reason that any one of us is reading the ancient Hebrew texts is because of Jesus. It's the only reason you're there. It's the only reason. Otherwise, this would be a foreign document unless you were a historian studying ancient Eastern religions. But Jesus pulls us into that story. Jesus is the one who does so. Jesus reminds us again and again that those scriptures are not the thing that bring you life, but they point to Jesus who brings life. And so we're going to do our best to, yes, looking at the whole of the text, but knowing that Jesus is the one in whom Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you want a picture of what God looks like? Even his own disciples, show us what God looks like. And Jesus said, oh, have you not been with me so long? If you've seen me, you've seen Father. Do you not believe that the Father and I are one? So are you intrigued? We will not do justice. This is not a sitcom church. We're not going to solve anything in 30 minutes. Right? But we can hear from the Holy Spirit, who loves us, who teaches us and guides us. And that's what we hope for. If we need more time, if you're intrigued, something grabs you, let us know. Let's spend more time. Let's wrestle with this more. And this is what theology is. It's the study and thinking rightly about God. This is what we hope to do today. And I've got two minutes, according to my timeline, of what I was hoping to do to lead us into discussion. Is God a faceless, remorseless, white giant whose anger fuels the raging flames of hell? Is this what God looks like? How are we to know what God looks like? Well, Paul in 2 Corinthians said this about the face of God. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That Jesus' face was the glory of God, the knowledge of God's glory. Jesus himself, in John 18, as John the disciple wrote, no one has ever seen God But the one and only Son, who is God himself, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. No one has seen God. 
But Jesus has made, they're one and the same, has made him known. Now, many of us who know the scriptures know many people have claimed you see God. You can read through the Hebrew scriptures. Moses, that's the one who sat face to face with God. Seventy elders ascended Sinai saw God. Um, supposedly Abraham walked and dined with God. Um, Isaiah had a prophecy where he saw the throne of God. Ezekiel supposedly saw God. So how does John say no one has ever seen God? He says, uh, they, they, they have seen God or something, but Jesus, the essence of Jesus is the face of God. In Hebrews 1, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and, and many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he has also made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, the icon. The son is the exact representation of God. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So God has a face. And it's Jesus. Not the weird, long-haired, blue eye. Not on a, not on a towel. Not with... But the face is Jesus. When we read through the Gospels, we see what God is like through Jesus. Jesus is our picture. So how do we know what God is like? Jesus in flesh coming. The Bible itself Is not a perfect picture of God. That's not what it was intent to draw. Do you get that? It, it's, it's not including saying, oh, we're going to paint for all time this, this perfect picture through all of the scriptures. It was a journey. The Hebrew scriptures were a journey of a people on this way of discovering who God is as he grabbed them as his own people and began to reveal himself to them over time. The scriptures are not a perfect picture of who God is, but it does point us to the one who is. The scriptures point us to Jesus, the perfect picture of God. Jesus, even in John chapter 5, they were coming to him, and he, he told the Pharisees, the people who knew it all, he says, you're going through the scriptures, and you think in them you have eternal life, but they point to me, yet you're unwilling to come. And we had the people going through the scriptures after the resurrection of Jesus. They were taking them and they were using them to point to Jesus. She even said that they are a tutor to lead you to Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be on this journey with. In order to anchor us in the scriptures, in the text, to point to us, to God. So what is God's disposition to sinners? Well, Jesus himself, when he was asked that, when he was asked, why do you hang out? He told them stories. Here's what the Father is like. So I got one picture for you. Um, Rembrandt painted this picture of the prodigal son. Henry Nowen, uh, a writer, a pastor, 
theologian. He went and sat before Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son, and he sat there for eight hours just meditating upon this, the story of what the father is like, and it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You can, you, if you're able to see it even more close up, you can see the tatteredness of the son, the story of the son takes all the father's money that was part of his inheritance and squanders it. It's offensive to the father, runs away, does his own thing, and experiences the pain, experiences the wrath of God, the consequence of sin. He experiences in this life the consequence of sin. Finds himself with nothing and starving outside of his family, making poor decisions, cut off in relationships. His sin caused this. And fearfully, he begins to rethink and come to his senses, and he decides to go back to his father, and he makes this big speech, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to say I am no worthy to be, no longer worthy to be my father's son. That's some fear, isn't it? That's like knowing this is a kind of a big deal to go back at what he's done. He's afraid. So he's prepared this speech. I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me a servant in your house. All I'm looking for is, is food. I don't deserve anything else. Now Jesus told this story describing what the father's heart was like. And yet in this story we have this picture of a father who sees the son when he's still really a long way off, has compassion on his son, loves the son and runs to him, hears the son's speech and ignores it, clothes him with his own robes, put his ring on his finger, brings new slippers upon him, and throws a feast. Because the father's disposition towards this son, this wayward son, was love the whole time. Longing for him to return there are, we're not going to say there's no consequence for sin. There was absolutely consequences for sin. Many of you are experiencing them today. Broken relationships, certain real circumstances for going against the grain of love, for going against the way of God in this world. And we experience those things. But yet God's posture towards us is the one of love. This is where we hope to go. We want to continue to paint this picture and hold up our images of God and say, huh, who's the God that we are worshiping, trusting, declaring, loving, serving, obeying, pursuing? Could we know this God more? Can we grow in his love and knowledge of him? Can we wrestle through these harder things that seem to be... Two different faces? Absolutely. Will we come to clarity? I don't know. But we were going to look at the scriptures, invite the Holy Spirit to teach us, and take steps that way. Sound intriguing? Sound worthwhile? So today we're going to do some discussion. And we've got some leaders that are in here in order to just say, what's your experience? And believe me, we're going to get feedback from your discussion. What's been your experience? 
What do you think God looks like? Where did that come from? Has that ever changed? It's a chance for you to be like, oh, here's, here's what I know. Here's, here's what I've thought. Here's my experience. Here's a part of my story. We don't share this to be judged. People have come coming from different places, from different ideas, from different inputs all over. And we're creating a place for us to be one together, pursuing God through Jesus who's invited us in his name. So stay. Engage in a conversation. At 11.20, we're hoping that that conversation could be done. You can go off. So if you're here, for all the people who've come to assist, who are our facilitators, would you raise your hand? Facilitators, would you stand up? And we're going to have people just go around them in the pews. And so if a facilitator needs to kind of find a different spot, but just gather around them, sit in front, back and around. They're going to guide you through some conversations. And so the facilitators, raise your hands. So we've got Trent here in the red and maroon. We've got Abby right up in here. We've got Jerry in the orange shirt there. We've got Maddie raising up with the cardigan. We've got Jill here uh, in the white blouse. And back there in the back, I can't see the face, but I see a hand raised up, so I can't even tell who it is because the face is blacked out by the sun or by the... Oh, it's Liz. We've got Liz there. Okay, so those are those. Before we go, let me pray this prayer of Paul upon us us from Ephesians 3. This is the Apostle Paul. He was praying in Ephesians 3. And he, and he prays this. He says, and I, may pray, I pray that out of his glorious riches, this is Christ, they may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. So is there more to these ideas of knowing God's love more Yes. Is that wishy-washy? No. This is substance to know the love of Christ more. So, raise your hand, come around, engage in those discussions.
Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good, Nasha. How are you? I'm good. <clears throat> we got some sick people at our house. That's where that's why we're home. Ah, I hope you guys are healing quick. Hopefully. COVID? Yeah, I tested positive and I think it's now going through everybody. My son came back from his eighth grade trip positive May 1st. Nobody in our house got it, thank God. But I quarantined the heck out of him. Yeah. <laughs> he could not come out of his room. If he came <laughs> out, put a mask on. I had, we went through like four cans of Lysol. I'm spraying the air he's walking into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, luckily. So the, the big deal is my husband has to go into work this week. He was quarantined last week and he's like, I need to go in because he's getting stressed out. And he took a, he had a PCR test yesterday and he's negative. So yeah, I'll stay home with them. He'll go in. <laughs> so praise God. Yes. We that, tested for that everything. Blessing, we, we tested every single day. Nobody else was positive. We got PCR tests too. And then he went back to school last Thursday, finally. And he walked outside that morning and he was like, it looks so different outside. I'm like, really? <laughs> but he hadn't been out the house since like May 1st. So well, maybe it did look different. <laughs> yeah, Flowers in bloom, green grass. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So we are, let me share this right quick. Oh, I got to move it. I'm sorry. Because if not, it'll be us on the screen. Do it this way. There we go. So on the, oh, nope, you won't see anything yet. There we go. I'm sharing the screen, but it looks like it's blank. Here we go. Can you see the question? Yes. Okay. So with today, talking about sinners in the hand of loving God, um, and Bo mentioned that in 1741, John Edwards had preached that sermon, 500 people repented, but we don't know if that's true. And he described God, God's wrath, um, and describes hellfire and, and all these like negative things. I call it, this version to me is the Old Testament God in my head, like the God you like, is that really God? So yeah, 500 people did she get them for you? Get them. Put them in a bowl. Put them in a bowl for her, So yes, 500 people may have repented um, that night and escaped the fires of hell. And unfortunately, it's an effective way to scare people in the faith, but we don't know if it's true. Um, hold on one second. Sorry, I'm back. Um, so they did get it. Get it, it, it. They did get the effect they wanted at that time. But is God really represented accurately? That to me is their account of God and how they felt they had to portray God in order for people to change. So we're talking about assumptions um, in the scriptures that He gave us today. like 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, John 1, 18, 
Um, I don't think he went over it, but Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 and Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. So there's a couple questions that go along with these. And this really is to just get you thinking of how you've seen God throughout your life and has that changed? Um, you know, I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, kindergarten through 12th grade and didn't, you know, had religion classes, but did not know the Bible until honestly, I started coming to Genesis. So my relationship with God has always been kind of like, okay, this is how God is. When I was younger, really scared of of God. And now I see him as a father. So, you know, just the thought of, you know, I have to repent right now, every Friday at 830 in the morning with church, every time I do something. And if I didn't do anything that I thought was bad, I have to make something up. But isn't that a lie? So all these things that kind of contradicted what I now feel faith and relationship with God is supposed to be. So that is my picture of God and my memory of God is being just of the fire and brimstone God. Like if you do anything wrong, you got to do Hail Marys, you got to pray and you got to talk to a man and tell him what you did so he can talk to God for you. Like very separate. Like I can't go to God. I have to talk to you and you take it to God. So that's what I knew. That's how I was raised until I got out of high school. And when I got out of high school, I stopped going to church altogether because I didn't have to. And it didn't make sense to me. Like, okay, I see this God person. We've had all these religion classes, but who is he really? Um, and it took from 18 until, what, 10, nine years ago to really be like, oh, there's, there's another part of God. <laughs> you know, like kind of figuring it out. Um, so... Did you have a different image of God when you were younger or has it kind of been consistent throughout your life? So it's funny how you were talking. I would never have thought that of you. I was raised Catholic myself. And <laughs> just on the way you, the way that you like get up and preach, I'm like, oh, she's been raised in like a black church all her life. And nope. so my assumption is totally wrong. <laughs> um, the, um, so I think my conception of God was always kind of as a father. I, I latched onto that, had, um, was able to appreciate that. And, um, yeah, that piece always kind of resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Then when I was in college is when I started reading the Bible and got involved with, um, campus crusade for Christ, which is now crew. And, and that's when I like really understood things better. My faith was more my own as opposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents' faith. Um, but I think that a lot of the, you know, like the Bible stories that I grew up hearing all the time, like that made sense to me. And it built this picture of, of God as father that was maybe because I had a good father, I was able, my, my dad's great. So I was able to like resonate that piece of it. It's funny I, you said that because I had a good father. So I didn't equate God as a father because mm-hmm. I had one, Got it. You know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I know one of my best friends has always said that God is her father because she didn't have hmm. a good father. So that was her father. And I'm like, well, my dad's right here. That's God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was a totally, total disconnection. So it's like, cause you were raised Catholic. So mm-hmm. that's funny. So maybe it was just the Catholicism I was raised in. 
stuff yeah. was, you know, like that was the way they they demonstrated it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny too. I have my brother. I have two brothers and a sister. We all grew up in the same home, and sort of our spiritual development was different. And the way we the way we received what we got at church every week was different for the four of us. It would just mm-hmm. like my brother's like, "How'd you get that on a mass?" And I'm like, "How did you not get that on a mass?" You know, it's crazy. Just and that, that, that's what I think it is too. It's like um, the way you're relating to what you're hearing, mm-hmm. especially the, at, when you're growing up is totally different. Cause my brother, I don't even think he goes to church at all now. Um, he's very spiritual, but he doesn't do anything in a building. Mm-hmm. And I was like that for years. And I'm like, I feel like there needs to be more. And that's where I started learning more. So, you know, it's like, but at the same time, God will meet you where you are. And it'll help you along that way, you know, and and it'll speak to you in the way that you need to hear it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Oh, I was going to say, I couldn't stand going to church with my cousins um, who were all Baptists because it was too much. Like they're they're singing too much. I don't know what they're talking about. They always want me to turn to my neighbor. Like, I just want to hear it and leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I remember when I was in high school, I read, we read this sermon, the sitters in the hand of an angry God. And I remember thinking to myself, like, where is, like, where is this coming from? Like this Puritan guy is just so wrong. Like even however old I was, 14, 15 years old, however I was, I was like, I I don't know how he can like have these such different ideas compared to, yeah. I just remember that striking that as, huh. Where did you get that from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's amazing how that works sometimes. Because it could be the same, same house, same family, and totally different perspectives on yeah. things like faith and relationships. How do I make this bigger? So instead of doing a question that way, like when I saw this picture, some things jumped out to me. So as you think of this picture, is there anyone in this picture that's like, like where would you see yourself in this picture or what do you depict from this picture? For some reason it, it stuck out to me even when I was, cause I did slide. So when I saw it yesterday, I was like, huh. That's an interesting view of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed like he's only wearing one shoe, which I think mm-hmm. is the idea of just how desperate the son was. Like he doesn't even have shoes. He's got mm-hmm. one shoe and a mm-hmm. head. So why did his, it, it makes, what, what it's made me think of is like concentration camp survivors. Like, and that's sort of, and that's, you know, this is hundreds of years before all of those atrocities, but still that same image of having no hair somehow meets a desperate situation. And the other that struck me is I assume that's the brother on the right. Who's looking, I don't know, proudly or something. That's not how the older, no, the next one over. Yeah. That one. Like, I'm assuming that's the older brother, which is, or maybe I'm not, but maybe I'm wrong, but that's not how I picture the scene of the older brother, you know, he, he, where he's angry and he doesn't. So 
those are kind of my thoughts about this. And I don't know who those other people are. So when I saw this, I thought that this one back here was the brother. Mm. Kind of peering around like a kid would when someone's, you're thinking they're about to get in trouble and you're like kind of seeing what's going on. But the thing that really stood out was just how they look so judgy. Mm -hmm. They look like... How could you take him back is the, is the thing that pops in my spirit. And then this, because this is a woman in the back, it's hard to see. I don't know who she is, but just the way she's even in the shadows looking. it When I saw this, it had me thinking, number one, how they're judging, kind of judging him. But how sometimes some Christians judge other Christians for what they're going through dealing with living Mm-hmm. when it really has nothing to do with them because yeah. the father god will take you back and yeah. is gonna accept you regardless and loves you no matter what so this this and when we did our little debrief before church about the the questions i, I said that because one of the questions is what image do you have and not everyone can come up with an image but this one stuck out to me so much i was like i think i'm gonna take it that way like what is it about this image that sticks out to you. So I hadn't even noticed the shoe or the head, honestly. So I didn't even notice that. And what you brought out to me is like that he does look very desperate. But the other people stood out to me. Like I saw them first. And it just made me think like as Christians, period, how judgmental we can be of other people, even in our Christianity, even in our faith. And how sometimes we can feel a certain way about someone and say it or judge them or look down on them when we are not, we shouldn't be the judges. And regardless of how we feel as humans, this picture is how God sees each and every one of us. So that, that, that's what stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. But um, the other, if I were to visualize um, best aligns with my view of God, which is a question, and it's not a, metaphor and it's not a parable but I always see God as a um there was a YouTube video that went out years ago there was a little girl on stage and this has probably been repeated before it was like a talent show and she got up there and she just froze she couldn't say anything it was a huge audience people were looking at her she just stood there and all of a sudden you heard kind of like coming out the wings off the side her mom walking up to the stage and started singing. And then our mom stood right next to her and held her hand and they sung together. And to me, that's how God is. Mm. He's kind of waiting in the wings. He's always there. He's always watching. And when we are so desperate, that's when we will see him, even though he's been there the whole time. So that's, that's kind of how, that's not even my season in life. That's just in general. And that's how I visualize God. Like he's always waiting in the wings to show up. Like we might not see him. We might not know him. He's there. He might be behind us, behind the curtain, next to us, out in the audience. But he's always there waiting. And it's almost like as soon as we call on him, he'll show up. Or sometimes we don't say anything, he'll show up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So is there anything either visually or a metaphor or parable that aligns with your relationship with God, whether it's now or has been forever. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think everything that you said, I, I would agree with a lot of that. You know, the God for I, like I'm aware of plenty of my own sin, and I trust in God's forgiveness for that. But I, I am judging of other Christians. I think who are like you're, you're so wrong in this area. How can you be so wrong in this? Yeah. And I need to just like, you know, settle down. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of things I'm wrong about, and. Um, and it's just that humility, I think, that is lacking in those other spectators. There, there's no humility there. They are totally proud and judging and um, looking down at this this desperate scene. Because you know, I'm not desperate. I'm look at how nice my clothes are and my hat and everything about me is put together. Yeah, guy is not at all. And then the 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 love that the father has, you know, he's. He's taking care of that son. It's very, um, you know, embracing and and accepting and no, like no questions asked. He's, he's welcomed back. So I, I appreciate, I, I think that's how I see God. And, and, and even when you look at, you know, you mentioned the Old Testament version, this is this angry one. Even as you read through the Old Testament, you see plenty of examples of Israel screwing up but then repenting yep. and screwing up again and repenting and in the midst of really hard things and yet I will praise God so there's just this whole back and forth of of um, difficulty and then God's provision and and I, I just see that kind of in my whole life that's through, and even throughout the Old Testament even though it came across harsh he was trying to love them show him show them his love through all of it so yeah, I don't know. This picture, like I might actually save this somewhere because it was something about this picture just was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's Rembrandt, right? I mean, this, yeah. <laughs> this isn't me making a picture. This is uh, one of the masters. So as we wrap up, whatever your image of the divine looks like, what steps do you think you can take over the next week to connect more with God? I have been um, probably the last week I've been more regular in devotion times in the morning and I'm reading in the old Testament and in the new Testament and in Psalms. And I think that gives me that whole, that bigger picture, right? Not just the, the big perspective of God's work for thousands of years. And, and I want to continue that, you know, like, okay, five days in a row, good start, keep going, you know, um, because I think that's really, that's really helpful when yes. I do it. We have that intentional connection. Mm -hmm. All right, so. For me, it would be to slow down and actually pay attention to what's going on around me instead of just doing, 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 doing take a minute to just ab abide in God and just be mm -hmm. instead of always doing something so which will give me the space to see things clear all right so as we wrap this up I'll pray us out uh, God we thank you for meeting us in this conversation and being with us guiding us in our thoughts and how we see you 
and understanding that it is okay if and when our perceptions of you change because as we grow and as we learn more about you and see how good you are, it's good that things change. We can't have the mindset we had when we were eight and 10 years old about you that we have now. Um, we just pray that as this week unfolds for us that we will take the time to develop really good routines and patterns of being with you in whatever that looks like. And we know that you will help us through that and help us to remain focused and consistent in that because that just helps us as we develop and grow our relationship with you and that you will give us the space and the time and the clarity to just be, to be with you, to be with your word, to be with your people, to just be so that we are clearer and have more clarity about our relationships with everyone and our relationship in you. So God, as we move forward, we also pray that, I know I saw and, and Chris mentioned that we are Christians for ourselves and don't think that we can judge or be God for other people, that we are confident in our faith and confident in the love that you have for others, that we can just love on people in wherever they are and allow you to be the ultimate judge. Because regardless, this picture is who you are. You're gonna love people where they're at, you're gonna meet them where they're at, and you're gonna bring them, hold them and bring them to you when they come to you. Allow us to be like you in that way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, so I hope you have a great week. I hope you guys stay healthy and mild and, and can get through this and you know, maybe this is the, the space to do some of the things you're doing now, like spending more time in devotion and meditation and prayer. Mm -hmm. So just, I pray that God will keep you all healthy. Thanks. All right, you have a great week. Thanks, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.